As I said earlier, this is the seventh Sunday of Easter, and there are lessons appointed to be read on this day, but the prayer book gives us a second option that we can preach on the lessons set aside for Ascension Day, that festival of the church that happened last Thursday, 40 days after Easter. And over the last 35 or 40 years, I've generally chosen the lessons of the Ascension because they point to some of the mysteries of God and as incomprehensible as those mysteries may be, they can really lend some meaning to life. I also tend to choose the Ascension lessons because the Ascension is the first major festival of the church that I was asked to preach for. Now, as fond as that memory is now, I got to tell you the experience was a struggle. You see, that was 1967, and Bishop Robinson, that's Bishop John A.T. Robinson of Woolwich, England, not Gene Robinson of New Hampshire, had just published a blockbuster of a little book that turned the church somewhat upside down. Some of you may remember those days, but if you do not, Bishop Robinson's book suggested, and it wasn't rocket science, and we all should have known it, but the church does resist new ideas. Bishop Robinson had the audacity to point out that the ancient world sometimes called the world of miracles, where God from time to time suspended the laws of physics to get people's attention, was no longer our world. He also suggested that we weren't in the Middle Ages anymore either. The Middle Ages, when people believed in a three tiered universe, a flat earth, hell down there, heaven up there. Now, this may seem rather ho-hum to you, but to a young seminarian who was trying to be logical and reasonable and relevant and thought it was his job to explain mysteries to the people, couldn't explain this in the face of what Bishop Robinson had written and most of the parishioners that I was standing in front of had read and discussed. And so I struggled. Eventually, after several weeks, I realized 
that if God could create and sustain the world, and each of us as well, God probably could figure out a way for up to be down and down to be up so that Jesus could be ascended up in the heaven. The second thing I realized was that life was full of a lot of things that I would never be able to explain. And the mysterious stories of Scripture were attempts to put those mysteries into some way that we could begin a conversation about what those mysteries might mean. So what was old Luke trying to make a little bit more understandable in the story of Jesus going with his disciples up on a hill in Bethany and being raised up into the highest heaven. First of all, these were part of the explanation about what happened to Jesus. That he had been among his disciples who valued and loved and honored him and their lives were crushed when he was crucified. Then strangely, three days later, they began to experience that he wasn't dead, but alive. And they encountered him at one place in one time and another place in another time in a somewhat fuller than ghost-like form. So he could eat with them and drink with them and explain the scriptures to them. And then, as those folks began to disperse back to the Galilee and to other places, they began to realize that Jesus was still with them, if not in a somewhat corporal form. And they begin to real, began to realize that he could be with a fisherman in the Galilee and a scribe in Jerusalem at the same time. That's not possible in human terms. But they said, if God can be everywhere and Jesus is with God, that makes sense. They also had experienced that Jesus had done everything and more than God had asked. And that God valued and honored 
Jesus' life and sacrifice. And how, how do you say that in ancient terms? Their experience was that now Jesus was at the highest and most exalted place in the cosmos, on the right hand of God. But what did Jesus want them to do with their lives? And that's where those two men in white come in. Don't look back. Hang on to the good old days with Jesus. Don't spend your life looking up at the sky and the hope to come. Start living in this world, moving forward, helping all of humankind to heal and to love. <clears throat> so that's the theology of the, the ascension. But so what for the way we live our lives? So three stories. Several years ago, I had the good fortune of being in Brattleboro, Vermont, on the Feast of the Ascension. And they had a service on that Thursday, and I got to attend it. And the preacher was another young seminarian struggling with what the Ascension might mean and also struggling with the fact that his mother had died just three months before. And what he shared with us was that he, as he held those two realities in his consciousness and his prayer, things began to make sense to him. And he told us his mother used to do everything at that church. Well, everything my mother didn't do. And that she had then gotten Lou Gehrig's disease. At first, she tried to keep doing everything. Then when she couldn't do that anymore, she would explain what needed to be done and then pray for the people that were doing them. And then when she couldn't explain anymore, she just prayed for the folks that were doing things. And then he said, my mother died, and I realized she was still praying for the folks as they did their ministries. And she was praying for them in a different place. He said he realized that God had loved this good woman and appreciated who she was and her life 
and didn't want to lose her. So he received her into heaven, into the heart of God, wherever God is, so that she could continue to pray for the folks on earth. And he said he began to understand. In the, where, in the parish my wife used to serve, there were two people, Heather and Andrew Rabino. Andrew was Heather's son. And before Andrew headed off for school every day, Heather would put her hands on him and pray. God, please bless Andrew on this day. Make him a good student and a good friend. Never let him forget that you love him and I love him. And then Andrew would go off to school. Some days they got into such a rush that Andrew headed out before the prayer was said. And from time to time, he would remember that and come back and, Mom, could you give me the prayer? And so Andrew didn't go off alone. He knew Heather and God were with him. And he knew they were both connected and trying to live by the same values. One way to live the mystery of the ascension. The final story is about an Englishman when he was very, very young. His mother took him off to nursery school. A new and different and frightening place. And each day she would say, goodbye, my love. No one is leaving. Every day, goodbye, my love. No one is leaving. And he was too young to understand the paradox and contradiction of what she said, so he just lived into it. And nursery school became a wonderful place for him. Well, the man grew up and matured. And one day he realized he had to put his mother in a nursing home because her Alzheimer's disease had progressed. And she often forgot to dress or how to clean herself or even to eat. 
and most times she could not remember anymore who he was. So we put her in a nursing home. And then, as he was about to leave, he remembered her words. Goodbye, my love. No one is leaving. And even though she did not recognize who said those words, she remembered those words and a tear rolled down her cheek and she put her hands together and said, Goodbye, my love. No one is leaving. I cannot make sense out of any of these mysteries, but I know they bring meaning and vitality to life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.